Um, I wish we handed out tickets or t-shirts because this is a one-time event. Like the Tuesday night, semi-community group, semi-church service. We needed t-shirts for last Sunday as well, which was a once in like a 30-year event, Greg. True? So anyhow, those will be on my my, uh, store Fifty dollars a pop by next week for sure. I'll even autograph it for you if you want me to. I can't promise it'll be the same signature on every shirt, but we're going to be in Galatians chapter five for a little bit, and I'm actually. Lisa asked me, you know, how I was feeling about tonight with all the ups and downs, and I've got to admit, I'm I'm becoming a real glutton for change of plans, punishment. I love it. Um, I think that I'm beginning to realize more and more how much the Christian life just depends on routine. Sometimes, right? Like, we just know what we're doing every Sunday morning. We know what we're doing every Wednesday night. This is what it means to be a Christian, is you're never going to have a Sunday morning off for the rest of your life. And there's just, there's something, and I, I've, I know I've said this before to the team, I've said this before to people, that Christians actually are freer to do different things differently than almost everybody. But we don't always do it. And so just the demanding acrobatics and the feeling like we're in American Ninja Warrior administration style, like it's actually pretty encouraging for me. And and at the same time, um, I'm, I could be wrong. I don't want to stake my career on this. I could be wrong, but I, I do wonder if the Lord's planning a bit of a revival for us. So... Um, A revival is a move of God where he essentially gets people living like everything that's written in the word of God is true. That's essentially what a revival is, is where the things that that cloud our minds and keep us from living like everything that God has done for us in Jesus, everything God does for us in the spirit, everything that God has said, the stuff that keeps us from living that gets taken away by a move. And it's different in different times, different in different cultures. It almost always includes a great discovery of, of the fact that we're actually sinners and need to be forgiven by God and that all of us are sinners and need, need to be forgiven by God. It's a rediscovery that Jesus is the treasure of life and having him is better than having anything else. And it's a rediscovery that the best spent life is the life spent for the kingdom of God, serving Jesus and being on mission with him. Those are, those are parts of it. But I have a feeling that it's, it's hard for me to imagine that God wouldn't want to do something like that for the church during these times. So in the meantime, you know, I was talking about wanting to do all these fancy sermon series and then, <laughs> then whatever. I'm going to find a way. There's no wasted time prepping sermons. But this evening, I just want to bring us to Galatians chapter 5, and I want to talk about freedom a little bit. Does anybody here care about freedoms? No, you're all bored with this stuff. Does anybody here feel like you're too free? (laughs) Yeah, me too. I could use a a nickel stint in the big house just to calm me down a little bit, you know? Well, the... Galatian church was having problems with freedom on, on, for a couple of reasons. But if you remember, the gospel had come to them. They believed it. The Holy Spirit was moving in their midst. They even had persistent miracles working in their midst. 
but uh, a teacher or a teacher team came to them and said, hey, if you guys want to be real believers, you need to get circumcised. And then from there, you need to obey the law of Moses and whatever else they would have added onto there. And, and many people in the church believed that, and it was leading to a schism or a breaking or a division in the church. And Paul's writing this letter, kind of exasperated, like, bah, what are you guys doing? You're wrecking the gospel. And so he's part of what he does in the letter is he's calling them to come back to just kind of trusting the Holy Spirit to do the work of creating godliness in your hearts. Because the law of God can tell us how to live and it can expose where we're doing it wrong. It can convict us for doing things wrong, but it can't give you a new heart to actually be different. Right? It's like all those... um, suggestion signs that they put by the side of the road on your way to Winnipeg, like, we strongly suggest you drive at 90 kilometers an hour. We strongly suggest that you go down to 50. None of those signs can make you a good driver. None of those signs can make you care about the other people on the road. All it can do is say, somebody in a very fancy vehicle with lights on top can hand you a, a fine for a lot of money if we catch you going too fast. That's all it can do, is punish you. But it can't make you love the other drivers on the road. And Paul has that same criticism about the law of God even. Without the Spirit, all the law of God can do is point out your failures and punish you for it. It cannot create the life of God in your heart. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because that's what the Holy Spirit can do. Jesus dies for our sins to pay for that punishment so that we can come to God free come to God as his children and free from needing to be punished. And then he puts the Holy Spirit in our heart to actually create the people we were always meant to be inside of us, just like God, only little. Amen? That's who we were always meant to be, just like our Father, only little, and with lots of different hair colors and shapes of eyebrows and stuff like that. So he's confronting this church, and he knows that this church is in such a bad way that even if he, as he calls them to life in the Spirit, they're probably going to get it wrong because they're a little bit addicted to conflict right now. They're a little bit addicted to pride. They're a little bit addicted to being better than each other. And so in verse 5, starting at, in, sorry, chapter 5, starting in verse 13, he says, You were called to freedom, brothers, only... Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we'll stop there. So the first thing he says there is he says, You were called to be free, brothers. And if we're honest, we all know, we, we just so badly want to be free. Anybody? Don't you want to be free? Wouldn't somebody like to win like one of those American mega billion jackpots so you can be free? Like, you can, you can stay in Manitoba for the good months, you know, which is the first half of July. And then you can go to other places for the rest of the time. You could be free. 
you could finally get the vehicles you wanted. You know, I've always kind of imagined, you know, you want the sports car for when you're driving to Winnipeg on that one nice highway, and all other times you want like an off-road vehicle so you can survive Manitoba roads, and then you need a big old truck for January, February, when the, every, when you, if you get stuck in the ditch, you need to be able to drive yourself out of anything. You can feel free with all the vehicles you could ever imagine. You could feel free to eat whatever you want. You could hire a personal chef to come in, and you don't even have to like, Google those places that send you food that you still have to make yourself. You could be so free. Imagine what all you could do with all that time. You could binge watch The Hobbit for the 54th time by not having to make your own meals. You could hire a chef. You could be free. You could hire 18 nannies for your three kids. And just be so free. Like some kind of royal... I often do wonder what's going to happen when people who have nannies for their children decide that they're going to make universal daycare for a country. I don't know how that's going to work out. You have never raised a kid yourself, but whatever. Not my problem. We have such a longing to be free. Especially right now. And such a willingness to fight, kill, or die to be free especially right now, because we are kind of made to be free. We're made with these desires from God, and we are made for ambitions, and we're made with dreams, and we are made with the ability to move, and we just want to be free. We want to be able to change the things we want to change and go where we want to go and, and have things work out well. We've got this desire for freedom. And when Jesus came, he actually provided the, this spiritual soul freedom that is available nowhere else in the universe. The freedom to finally come to God in peace. To finally come to the most holy, perfect, possibly judging being in the universe. And through his son, come as somebody who's holy. Come as somebody who's perfect. And come as somebody who's beyond judgment because of Jesus' death. And come and be free just to be with God in peace. This is a freedom you cannot get anywhere else. It's not available from any constitution. You can't fly to any island. You can't go to some kind of abandoned oil rig in the middle of the ocean and declare it Robtania, (laughs) the 13th kingdom of the world, where there's no taxes. There's no freedom to come to God, even in a place like that. And yet, because of our sinful hearts and our fallen nature, which isn't totally dealt with yet, it's easy to want freedom from bad motives and to do bad things once you have that freedom. Anybody? Somebody? Is it only me? That's why Paul has to say, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And if you want to know what the flesh is like, Paul, a few verses later, describes the flesh. He says, The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, which means living for pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, which means having enemies, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, which means being on parts of teams that fight against each other, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are all... Ways of living that demonstrate through behavior that this person doesn't know God like they ought to yet. And Paul's warning them. He's saying, when I say freedom, 
Don't hear me say, now's the time when you can now do all the nasty business you've always wanted to do with no consequence. Don't hear that. Because you know what? Most people are free to do that stuff already. They hide it. They do it in secret. They ruin their lives with it. That's not the kind of freedom we're talking about here. But instead, he talks about the kind of freedom which I think right now is probably the most important kind of freedom and maybe the only kind of freedom worth having. And it's the freedom to be able to love people by serving them no matter what. The freedom under any circumstances to be able to persevere in serving people in love. That is true power. That is true strength. Because if you're anything like me, in order to actually consider to serve people in love, you need a few things, right? A great sleep, a wonderful breakfast, everybody thinking highly of your last sermon, no troubles at work, no troubles at home, no troubles in your family, no troubles in your extended family. And if everything's just right, and there's a lunar eclipse followed by a solar eclipse, and I win the scratch and sniff, no, wait, that, you don't sniff those ones. Just the scratch and win. If all the stars align and the planets align and everything's just right, I might be able to actually serve people in love like they were more important than me. Amen? I, I have discovered through the years, before I was a Christian, about 18, 19 years, after I was a Christian, about 22 years, and 10 years of pastoring, that in the, really the only power worth having in this life is the ability to persevere in love, expressed in serving others, even when you're hurting, even when you're disappointed, even when you're not getting what you want, even when you're discouraged, even when it's falling apart, even when you know every three days people who tell police what to do are changing your life. And even what's happening now is probably not the worst of the lockdowns we're going to face this spring slash summer. Because with all the blessings in my heart, (laughs) I don't think they're done. But I I believe that the scripture is showing us in this passage that true spiritual power is the ability to persevere in serving each other in love, even when the playing field changes every few hours and you're not getting what you want. And that one thing that you are anchoring yourself on is, is flying around your head. Like the anchor rope got stuck in the fan of your ceiling fan and is flying around the sanctuary, knocking people around, creating all kinds of lawsuits. The, uh, the other option is to fall into, in verse 15 it says, biting and devouring one another which is where something besides self-sacrificial love takes the place as being more important in, what, in, our, in expressing our freedoms. I, that's how I think is going on here. You, you're welcome to disagree. So 
I don't want to take too long because it's a Tuesday night and the sun's going to still be up for another couple hours so we can all hit the beach at St. Malo and make it home in time for, for kissing the kids goodnight. But I'm, I'm, I'm working on something here. I'm working on a project with the messages and I, I want to really dig into the fruit of the Spirit but what we're going to learn as we look more at the Holy Spirit is the one thing people could not pull off before the Spirit came is loving others like Christ loves us. That's the one thing. They could do sacrifices. They could tithe. They could fight battles and win it. They could do all kinds of stuff. They could have tons of kids. They have 50 wives. The one thing they couldn't pull off is serving each other in love when it hurts. And if there's anything I think that I want to say, this is the goal. Through COVID, 2019 slash all the way into 2025 or however long they squeeze this particular cow's udder for, it's, the, it's that how could you go wrong if what you succeed at is the thing the Spirit was sent to do? That's what I feel like God is finally getting through to me. How could I go wrong if in this time he, he manages to convince me the best thing I could do is to learn how to serve other people in love? Not giving up on truth, not giving up on the mission, not giving up on anything that God says is precious to him because he's my first love, but serving others in love by the power of the living God. And everything the government does would naturally make me angry. <laughs> and many things that other people do would naturally make me discouraged. If we can triumph over this in our homes and in our families and in our workplaces, wouldn't that be a living miracle and even maybe deserve the name of revival? Amen. So I'm, I named this title, I Will Teach You to Be Free. <laughs> And there's lots of details to work out in people's lives, but this is, I will teach you how to be free. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to love in every situation and ask him to deal with everything that gets in the way of that. So I'm encouraging the church during this season, ask him to bring up memories from the past, whether it's hurts, or disappointments that get in the way of love. We've got them. Oh my goodness, we've got them. I, I wouldn't, you know, sorry mom, but I wouldn't call my family naturally a very loving family. I could get hurt at school, I could get beat up, and they'd be like, want to watch TV? You know, that was the cure-all in my family. Is TV and pizza, you know. It's like, why are you still crying? We watch TV together. It doesn't encourage you to love. I think they did their best, and I'm not complaining. I don't have any big complaints, but we've all got stuff from the past that is screaming at us, don't love, don't risk love, don't risk love, don't risk love, don't risk love. And I'm encouraging the church, go to your best friend in this life, the Holy Spirit, and say, is there anything you want to remind me of where I learned a lesson I shouldn't have learned? Amen? Because I want to be free. Amen. You can ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of sins of the past that are like soul anchors. 
Sometimes we do things in our past and we know it's a sin. Even if you didn't know Jesus yet, you don't need to know Jesus to know that you've sinned. You get, you feel guilty. You feel condemned. You're like, I need to hide this body now. So you metaphorically go into the backyard of your soul and you dig at least three feet down, maybe a little bit longer if you think you've got time and you stuff the body in there. And you put it over and then you plant a garden over top of it. And if anybody asks you what those bones are there, you say, it was just the dog burying things. All of us have done stuff from the past that we've hoped forgetfulness will deal with. But it actually keeps like an anchor from our heart into the past that holds us back from honesty, from vulnerability, from freedom to love. (laughs) Got some George in the back row today. Why not ask our best friend in this life, the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent to be our guide and counselor and healer? Are there any sins from the past you want to deal with? So I can be free. And then finally, just to wrap it up, there's often stuff we're doing today. Could be sinful attitudes, but I would just wrap it all up in this this thing that, that you might call the power of unbelief. The power of knowing that there's something that God has said or promised that you just can't depend on yet in your heart. And that's unbelief. And unbelief robs us from the freedom to love. Because if we believe that Jesus loves us to death and loves us to resurrection life, and loves us so, so much so that right now he is preparing our home for us. He is getting ready your ultimate bedroom to welcome you in with all the trophies and all the memorabilia and an intendro and whatever else is in the ultimate bedroom of glory for eternity. He is right now preparing to spend forever with us. And he wants us and he likes us and he's for us and he promises to reward us for every act of love-filled faith we try to do if we believed it all what would stop us from serving one another in love Holy Spirit you are well acquainted with all my unbelief is there any you want to set me free from so that I can walk in the freedom of love so I'm going to invite the band up Poor band. Okay, stop. We're going to have a quiet time before the band comes up because maybe you want to just say something to Jesus before you do. I'm sorry, I just realized the band never gets to respond. How unfair. So I'm going to just pray. I'm going to have a longer prayer, and when I'm done, the band's going to come up. Holy God, you love us so much with an unspeakably huge love. Father, my deep desire is to join with you in your desire that each one of your children would be so free to love in any circumstance. God, if there is a hurt from the past, maybe it's something to do with our family or a disappointment, would you gently bring it to mind the right way at the right time and help us to respond to these reminders with faith. Ah, God wants to set me free from something. Father, if we're walking through an unbelief right now, 
could be from a hurt or it could be from a fear. It could be from anger. It could be from anything. Anything that's unbelief keeping us from this miracle of serving one another in the love of God. I pray you'd bring it to mind and give us the grace we need to confess it, turn away from it, turn to the truth. And would you give us scripture to hold on to as being the truth? But Father, my deepest prayer tonight is for the the freedom that only God can give, which is the freedom to walk in the spirit of love in all times. Would you do this for our joy in you and our great fruitfulness in these days? All God's people said, Amen.